Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. Our guests are Ken Middleton, Digital Initiatives Librarian and Professor at the James E. Walker Library, Joanne McClellan, County Historian of Murray County, Zeta Law, Director of the Department of Geosciences, Dr. Susan Knowles, Digital Humanities Research Fellow at the Center for Historic Preservation, the project places perspectives of African-American community building in Tennessee, 1860 to 1920. We'll be back after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. Outlook among Tennessee consumers has declined considerably since last December amid inflation worries and rising gas prices. This according to the latest statewide survey by MTSU. The Tennessee Consumer Outlook Index registered a score of a negative 198, down significantly from a negative 93 in December and besting the previous all-time low of a negative 106 in September. The current online survey of 646 Tennessee consumers was conducted the first week of March by the Office of Consumer Research in the Jennings A. Jones College of Business, with an error margin of 4%. And a penetrating examination of post-Civil War African-American society in Tennessee will come to life in a free public lecture by an MTSU alum. Leanne Gardner, former interpretive specialist with the Tennessee Civil War National Heritage Area, will deliver a presentation on the subject at 6 p.m. Thursday, March 31st at the Heritage Center of Murfreesboro and Rutherford County. This event is free and open to the public. Gardner's extensive years-long research has resulted in To Care for the Sick and Bury the Dead, African-American Lodges and Cemeteries in Tennessee a book that chronicles African-Americans' attempt to provide for their own between 1865 and 1930. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Uh, welcome, one and all. Thank you for being with us and taking time out of your busy schedules to talk about uh, Places, Perspectives, African-American Community Building in Tennessee, 1860 to 1920. This covers four Tennessee counties, Fayette, Green, Hardeman, and Murray. What is the purpose of this project? Ken? The, the purpose is to um, document and map specifically rural communities in each section of the state. We select two in West Tennessee, uh, one in middle, one in uh, East Tennessee. And uh, the focus is on creating interactive maps that link the locations of churches, schools, and cemeteries to a variety of primary sources that are available, uh, mainly in digital format. And it's really to kind of give voice to these rural communities that have not really, they're not in history books, but have their own leaders, have their own history. So that's part of it as well. I think that's a very good lead in to explaining that each of us have different backgrounds. Um, I'm an archeologist by training and you know, Ken's a librarian. Susan, well, has a broad <clears throat> background. And of course, Joanne has a broad background too. And we each come at it. My interest is in elevating the cultural landscape of African-American geography and bringing that, to, bringing that to light. And I'm not particularly interested in archeological sites and um, elevating those in, for cultural resource management and for study. 
and just letting people know about it. Um, I came to this through a previous project that we did that Susan, Dr. Knowles actually worked on and with me and uh, called the Landscape for Liberation, African-American Geography of the Civil War in Tennessee. And you can find that um, online. That's an interactive map of African-American sites connected with the Civil War in Tennessee. And I started realizing how much we both did start realizing how many sites there are that we just don't know about it that that are documented in some way either by people knowing or they're in digging them out of historical records and we really just want to make people aware of that and let people know about that. Susan what kind of uh, primary sources are considered important in this documentation and mapping process? Um, historic maps are a really important resource that sometimes people may not realize how much information is on those maps. And Zeta and I saw it when we were working on that Civil War era, because Tennessee was occupied early. There are a lot of great Civil War era maps where we were finding things that matched up with, say, newspaper advertisements for mustering of the U.S. colored troops in Tennessee all of a sudden we realize we can put these, you know, we can put a location to some of these things. Well, as we move forward in time, the kinds of maps that we've used for this project are insurance maps for some of these towns where there were insured businesses and they're called Sanborn fire insurance maps. When we started this project, they were not online. Now, Many of them are available free on the Library of Congress website. So we've linked directly to those for this. Another set that Ken discovered and digitized for us are education department maps in Tennessee that show the locations of African-American schools in these counties. They're invaluable. They're from 1935, but looking back into you know, the 1920s and earlier, we could find a number of what at the time weren't so isolated schools because there are communities around them. So that's just an example. In addition to property deeds, in addition to memoirs in some cases, people who were living at the time, photographs when we can find them. And this kind of leads into Joanne because she's a master researcher. I don't know that I'm a master, but I, uh, my background really is in IT. I was an IT director before I uh, relocated back to Murray County. Murray County is my home, but my passion was driven by the fact that not much African-American history is documented here. And when I started uh, looking for my great-great-grandmother, her name, I found that there's just like no record. And I ended up transcribing all of the African-American cemeteries of Murray County. But then I did find her in a white cemetery in a community not too far from where I live. But my passion was driven by the fact that we just don't have a lot of African-American history documented in Murray County. As a result of that, I started the African-American Heritage Society of Murray County and our focus for the past 10 years, and we've just crossed 10 years, is trying to document this history through memorials and markers and lecture series and calendars and any other means necessary just to get some of this history, make some of this history available to uh, to the people in the community. And it's been 
exciting. And with Susan and Ken and Zeta, this project has just been like a on a whirlwind because I've learned so much through them. And then with all of the documentation we've collected, I mean, it's, it's gonna be wonderful for Murray County. And everybody that I can talk to, I tell about this project and hopefully one of these days, you know, the information will be made available, but this is just gonna be um, a, a gold mine for the people who are trying to find history about Murray County. Zeta, what role does technology play in the mapping process? So I'm the director of Geosciences Fullerton Lab for Sp Spatial Technology. Um, and we have GIS software and pretty high powered computers here to run that software. And that's what I, that's one of my roles here is to take these historic maps and to use GIS to digitally stretch them across the landscape and, and try to find points on these historic maps that reference the modern landscape. And then we use that to help find the locations. Then of course we use that same technology, but online to help make the story maps that Ken has been working on that actually convey this information related to stories and, um, and, and the locations. We'll take a break right here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The MTSU Department of Art has the newest facility for visual arts in the state with approximately 50,000 square feet of space, including high-tech computers and computer-driven equipment for multimedia, graphic design, printmaking, sculpture, painting, and ceramics. We feature a visiting artist lecture program and an exhibition program that exposes students to work by national and international artists. To find out more, visit mtsunews.com. We're talking about a project that is truly interdisciplinary, uh, involving both MTSU entities and other partners. Uh, our guests are Ken Middleton from the James E. Walker Library, Joanne McClellan, Murray County historian, Zeta Law, director of the Department of Geosciences, and Dr. Susan Knowles, who is with the Center for Historic Preservation, uh, Joanne, you've got uh, some talented academic colleagues here, but uh, you're local. You're where the rubber meets the road. You're living it, and you're particularly astute about Murray County in particular. So tell me what this project means to you to be involved in it. I tell you what, it was it's fantastic because it's helping us, the African American Heritage Society, document and continue our story. Because without um, this detailed research, um, I don't think it would be possible in the time frame that we're that and resources that we have available. I mean, I have in working with Susan and Zeta and Ken, I have learned a lot about our county, especially the schools, the location of the schools, of the churches. I had researched some of the churches and some of the schools, but not at the level of detail that. Um, we have with this project. 
a woman named Frances Fields who was married to a, a minister. And, um, and she ended up purchasing part of the property that she grew up, which was a former plantation land. She was, her parents were born into slavery. And we've seen many instances of this. Joanne has led us to others. And we started to see that in many cases, these property deeds where somebody gave a piece of property to be a school or a church, it's got both a husband and a wife name on it. And a lot of times it'll have the maiden name of the wife. And then you can start to explore that maternal side, you know, having those kinds of tools available too. And Joanne, others who are really adept at doing genealogy, it starts <clears throat> to make connections that you couldn't make if you didn't have people who actually knew you have to have been from there or know people who are from there or have that eye for detail and recall to then put it together. Ken, is this all this information being housed online by the library? Is that who is going to be managing the digital aspect of this? Yes, uh, for a large part it is. It's, it's part of the project, building a digital collection that... Uh, that includes those photos, documents, maps that, that we're using to document these communities and properties. But we're also linking out to a, a lot of um, sources that are online at other libraries and archives, uh, such as the State Library and Archives, uh, the Library of Congress. Su Susan mentioned the, the Sanborn maps. That's another example. Uh, the Hadi Trust is, is a great source for um uh, online access to books from from that period, so that's been enormously helpful. So it's kind of a mix. Um, we're, we're trying to make it easy to uh, find out as much as we as the user can from using the site, no matter what the source is, no matter if it's something we've digitized here, or the state library has, or Library of Congress, etc. We'll take a break again. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking with people involved in the project called Places, Perspectives, African-American Community Building in Tennessee, 1860 to 1920, uh, trying to help document and map places that are important in the African-American history of Fayette, Green, Hardeman, and Murray counties. Is the site live now? Is it available to the public to access? The digital collection is, we're, we're almost there for the... Um... The, the mapping part, as far as public, where we're 
we're still not quite there to, to announce it widely. Every one of the places on the map has at least one and usually more primary sources that prove it, that tell there's a, there's a, a note on there about the method of how we mapped it. And so that people coming and looking can say, oh, I see, I understand, you know, or in some cases it might be, we don't know exactly where. So we mapped it to the courthouse square or we mapped it to, you know, it, but it tells you what. So there's a transparency to the whole process that the technology allows that is very, I think it's exciting and innovative. MTSU being such a long-standing public university and Walker Library supports this, we'll always have this digital collection available for the public and the database that underlies, that's the engine that underlies this digital collection, which has the, the geographic coordinates, the latitude and longitude of these locations. And that's how we build the story maps. So I think we're, like Susan said, we're trying to be transparent. We're trying to think about the future. We're trying, it, we want this to be a sustainable project. We want it to be a model that other people can build on. And what Susan said about transparency and mapping, I think is so important. So many times people put stuff on a map and I was like, well, what was your thought process to get there? How did you get that? And we just wanted to say, well, this is why we believe this is in this location. And, you know, other people can come back and disagree or they can, you know, say, yeah, I can follow that. I get that. I understand that. Uh, how was the project funded? Love. You, you, you didn't get this humongous grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities, <laughs> Well, right? you know, we started, actually, I did get a grant from the Tennessee Civil War um, National Heritage Area that followed up. So the Landscape of Liberation was funded with a grant from the Tennessee Civil War National Heritage Area with a match from Department of Geosciences. And the same thing happened with this um, one. We got a grant, a one-year grant um, from the Tennessee Civil War National Heritage Area. And, you know, Department of Geosciences provides the match for that grant. And then um, we finished that. We came up with a prototype. Well, we came up with a story map. You know, we finished what we, what we said we were going to do. But we knew there was so much more out there. And we just kept... You know, by that time we had met Joanne, um, that at the end of that one year, we had started to do dissemination. So we'd started to go out and talk to people at conferences. And, you know, it's just like, we can't let this stop. And so then, you know, that took us through the next couple of years, we just kept meeting and then COVID hit. And COVID sent us all home and, MTSU provided Zoom to us and the whole world opened up. Whereas Ken and Susan and I, and then, you know, we've been driving to Murray County or Greene County or, you know, Fayette County. Now we could meet people, you know, at 6.30 or at 10.30 in the morning and we could all share a screen. And well, it just became these, you know, incredible work sessions throughout COVID. You can't really underestimate the value this has been for Murray County. I mean, it's just, uh, we have like 10 times as much information or 50 times as much information as we had had before. And for the African-American Heritage Society, 
this is really going to help us into our next phase of what we're going to do. And we're hoping that we'll be able to use a lot of this information for basis for exhibits or our African-American uh, cultural, uh, African-American Museum and Cultural Center when we find a building, because this is just going to be, this is just going to be game changing for the African-American community down here when we can get that all set up. I'm thinking that once we have this museum, once and we'll be using a lot of this information, I'm sure, as a base for some of the exhibits that we do, I mean, it's just going to open a lot of eyes, both in the Black and white communities, because nothing is ever what they people think it is. One example of that that I want to make sure Joanne talks about, and this really opened my eyes, was the story of Edmund Kelly, who was a early pre-Civil War Baptist minister, community leader, and Joanne came forward with this story, and I thought this will turn people around. And Joanne, maybe you, if we've got time, Jenna, for a minute, let Joanne talk about. Well, you know, we we recently put up a historical marker for him at the church that he founded here in a co-founded here in Columbia. But uh, he he bought his freedom. He left here. He co-founded six or seven other churches up in the uh, Massachusetts area. He used Columbia as a home base. He came back down here, started schools. In 1863, he met with Abraham Lincoln and convinced Lincoln was one of the reasons why Lincoln decided, I think, to open the draft to uh, former slaves. His son even um, even joined the Massachusetts 54, the one son. The other son came back and started the um, first colored public school in Murray County. So the guy had... <laughs> He and his children were very, very significant in the advancement of the education here. I'm on his, I'm on the trail of the story of the one son who went to Kansas, then came back here, and I think started the first colored uh, YMCA. We were able to get the marker, and when we had the marker dedication, so many people came up to me and said, "This man was from here." I said, "Yeah." I said, you go to this church that he co-founded. <laughs> he she said, yeah, but we never heard this part of his story. But the thing that I like about him in the story that uh, is, is not told very often is that when he was 17 years old, his slave owner hired him out to work for a boys' school, and he could not read. So he paid these boys with candy to allow him to use their books and to give him reading lessons at night. And he he worked all day, he worked with those kids, and then he would he said he prayed to God that it, that he would wake up at eleven o'clock so he can study these books so he would be able to recite to them the next morning when they came to teach him. I mean it's just a wonderful story. And I think that the the drive or the push for education here in Murray County came from that because it was his son that started, like I said, the first school. It was his son that started something that was called the Murray County Colored Institute to train other teachers in the art of teaching. Because after the uh, after the war, Civil War, we had all these little Freeman Bureau schools popping up, and then after that, after Reconstruction, we had all these other schools popping up. They had we had no teachers. 
And then, of course, we had that other school that was the Turner Normal School that was rechartered, Tennessee State Industrial School. I mean, the emphasis that people placed on education down here, it's like mind boggling. And a lot of that story had not been told. People think history is national and international, but history happens in your own backyard, right? That's what I say. The best history happens in our own backyard. And what Joanne's not telling you is she mapped all of the schools from school records in Murray (laughs) County and all of the cemeteries too. When you asked Jenna how it's funded, the Center for Historic Preservation, I really wanted to mention that has funded Dr. Susan um, throughout all of this time um, since post the post the grant period. Um, my Department of Geosciences has been just incredibly supportive of this, seeing this as you know an act of social justice and something that we can do to show that you know we're really trying to make a difference. That's one of we just went through a strategic planning process and one of the things we wanted to do and geosciences is make a difference in the world. So this is one of the things that we can point to. And the library has been very generous with Ken's time too. And of course, our community partners have just been incredible. And one of the things we did, we didn't really mention East Tennessee, but one of the things the grant funded was taking the elders in the community, the descendant community around through Greene County back to these locations. We got an 18 passenger van <laughs> and we went on a ramble. Well, we've I've driven Joanne around too. She knows how. <laughs> I ain't saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are. But you know, those those oral histories, didn't we have someone record them, Susan? Um, in Greene County? We did when at the Bulls Gap Museum, we sat down yes. and um and took some, yeah, oral interviews. I think uh, William Eisen of East Tennessee PBS came with That's us. Right. And he he w- recorded some of those. So we've had some great, you know, collaborative, supportive partners who are on the same page to share information and to and to assist. If people want more information about the project. Uh, how can they get in touch? What do they need to do? Probably the easiest is to just contact me. I can be a central person for that. Ken.Middleton at mtsu.edu. Ken Middleton, Dr. Susan Knowles, Zeta Law, Joanne McClellan. Thank you all for being our guest on MTSU on the Record. We'll be right back. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There is no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. 
Randy Weiler has the middle moment. MTSU biology professor Ryan Otter and alumni Gail Bobian, Connor Olson, and Andrew Todd recently received recognition when their riparian spiders research was published in an international scientific journal. Otter, also MTSU's Data Science Institute director, shares more. This work really puts spiders as a new indicator of pollution, in particular water pollution, which in itself is interesting because there's no spiders that live underwater. Water. So we're able to use terrestrial spiders to help inform water pollution. It's also really important for the past members of my team at MTSU that included undergraduate, masters, and PhD students that all got out of classroom experiences while they were going to school that helped them land the jobs and the opportunities they have next. And last, I find this really important as an example for the university for students that might want to come to MTSU that there are international large-scale projects going on that they can be involved with out of the classroom. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.